Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! It's a sad day here in America that our judicial system has been weaponized like it has been. Do we have the right to question the, the results of this election here in the state of Georgia? Yes, we had that right. And President Trump had that right. And so did the 18 other people who, are, who have been indicted. Georgia Rep. Buddy Carter right there commenting on another Donald Trump indictment, this time coming from Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis there in Georgia, who, by the way, is running for re-election. Oh, of course. Of course. And, And fundraising on the back of Donald Trump and this ridiculous prosecution. So, uh, President Donald Trump, you heard Buddy Carter say, Trump, 18 lawyers, aides, supporters, all coming down late Monday night. But why did it? Why did it drop? Three it like, French hens, two <laughs> turtle doves. That's Kevin to- McAllister from Home Alone. Trump gave him illicit directions in that's, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. That's Tony Kennett, who is a uh, columnist for the Daily Signal, filling in for Hammer right there. Why? Here's my theory on why this was announced at midnight last night, or maybe shortly before midnight. It's because it would be the biggest news item of the day when everybody woke up, right? I mean, it's purely uh, political. This right. is a purely political move. So I, that, that's an interesting theory. Normally, I, so we've talked about this before, and as far as like the Twitter algorithm is concerned, they don't have to worry about that as, as I would. Like When I'm deciding when one of my articles goes up, there's like literally days of the week and times of the day that are better to post stories. Yeah. Uh, so to have the stones to prep a story and basically do a big press conference. I, I've heard a, a kind of a concurrent theory, which is that, you know, they didn't really want a lot of reporters and individuals hmm. basically out at that time, giving them grief over nah, what is considered an unpopular opinion. Nobody's giving these people. People love this. Who's get what, what reporters, what mainstream reporters are giving Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, who's up for re-election, who's fundraising is on the backs of... of these indictments. I mean, I was going to say, who who openly during her campaign said, I'm going to be the one that gets yes. Trump. Yes. Whose grand yeah, who's, jury... Who's reporter, what reporter is going to be upset at that? Whose grand jury, basically, uh, one of their head jurors went around the country bragging about how she wanted to stare Trump in the face, already basically making the decision that she wanted to send <laughs> him to jail. And the funny thing is, and I really agree with Tony Katz here uh, on his earlier assessment this afternoon, uh, when he was on Tony Katz today which is that Trump is likely going to jail over this, particularly, uh, unless his team, his legal team, can basically call a mistrial based on the activity of the jurors before this. I I just, I think that the jury basically has it set in their mind they're going to throw him in jail already. Well, the, the grand jury, you know what happened last night? This is so weird. Hours before the grand jury even voted to indict Donald Trump, did you see this? They the county court posted the indictment and then quickly deleted it. Yeah, because I gave Reuters I gave Reuters a really hard time on Twitter for reporting that. 
for reporting what that they but the Reuters broke that Reuters like saw the the indictment come up on the website and then they reported that the indictment was live they didn't double check any sources they didn't you're supposed to reach yeah, the out the grand jury hadn't voted yet no so they're like oh they're they're done and so Reuters immediately deleted it and then apologized and I was like see this is why a major multi million dollar media organization you should double check things <laughs> but yeah well, all, they deleted they which may have violated Trump's rights right so in addition to that they're using RICO to get him so for those of you who don't know RICO is the racketeering act that is set up at the federal level and it's different at every state level uh, and I guess we should let me interrupt here this is the, the indictments all having to do with Donald Trump and his aides and their efforts to challenge the 2020 uh, presidential election results right That's what so this is all so over. this Georgia DA is making the case that Trump uh, basically used mobster tactics mafia tactics to overthrow the Georgia 2020 presidential election and this is you know within Rico so the way that Rico works is you can try an entire organization for the highest crimes and the way the reason that you would try that is to get the accountant to flip on the hitman and then to get the hitman to flip on the boss so if they nail any one of these, how many people are listed in this indictment? It's in the teens. Well, 18 lawyers, aides, and supporters. Okay. So if any one of those individuals are hit with any one of those crimes. They all get it. They all get it, and Trump gets it as well. This is it's so far beyond the realm of what Rico's supposed to be used for as well. It's it's wildly unprecedented. Um he faces <laughs> wow. Trump faces 76 and a half years in state prison, 13 counts. And I think people in the beginning, it, tell us why it's going to be easy to prosecute him. You just did, right? Well, because no, of the RICO statute yeah. that they're using. So, so they challenge one, they convict one guy on this, they got them all. Yeah, also and, the jury is very unfriendly. Also, the place that he's being tried is very unfriendly. And then the Georgia law really screws him over because if Trump is still elected president and he's convicted, he cannot pardon himself. He can't. Yeah, because it's a state. It's a state crime. But I don't even think the Georgia governor, the nope. Georgia governor the can't George, do it. The in. governor of Georgia is forbidden. It is not within his authority as the head of the Georgian executive branch to pardon someone for a state crime. <laughs> there's a panel, a committee that would have to be set up, and and there's like a whole lot of craziness that goes into that. There is literally nothing. Uh, also, um, the governor of Georgia cannot remove this DA. There's a whole mess going on here. Georgia genuinely is well, the perfect state to indict here's Trump. The thing. Brian Kemp, the George, the, the governor of Georgia, uh, said he, you know, at one point published a uh, commercial with him riding around in his big truck, going to round up some illegals if you uh, elect me governor. Uh, the tw- listen to what he posted. He's no friend. Of Donald Trump, quote, the 2020 election in Georgia was not stolen for nearly three years now. Anyone with evidence of fraud has failed to come forward under oath and prove anything in a court of law. Our elections in Georgia are secure, accessible and fair and will continue. Blah, 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 blah. So even if he had the authority. And in addition, now, now usually this is where someone drops in and says, well, but you see that 2000 Mules documentary that talked about all the examples of election fraud and things. The Secretary of State's office in Georgia reached out to that film and documentary investigation crew and asked for all of the evidence to bring it up officially so that it could be investigated at the state and federal level. And the creators of 2000 Mules turned it down and gave nothing to the Georgia authorities mm-hmm. on election fraud in their own state. So, so as far as preventing election fraud in 2024, 
There's literally no plan that I have heard from anyone in the Trump campaign. And I and I have a lot of friends that are uh, Trump allies uh, and a lot of uh, good friends who are working on the political side of the aisle to get Trump elected in the primary. I haven't heard anything to actually move past this. And the media is jubilant. They are so excited for Trump to win the nomination because they think that it will be so easy to knock over Trump if instead of campaigning for president, he's stuck in court proceeding after court proceeding after court proceeding. I think one of the biggest lies in this whole thing is the the I just want to find versus find me the votes that the the phone call to the Secretary of State, what's his name, Rass, Rassenberger? Mm-hmm. Uh, Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia. So Trump called him and said, people think he said, find me the votes. No, that's not what he said. Quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state. Right. That's, by so the way, it was not illegal. He, he, it's stupid, not illegal. But he wasn't commanding anybody to come up with fake votes. He wasn't threatening anybody, harm to anybody. This was just an expression of Trump and his desire to document what he believes was his victory. Al Gore harassed poll workers, individual poll <laughs> workers in the state of Florida for six years after the 2000 election. For six years. It's, 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 it's absolutely, absolutely insane. Want to hear what Hillary Clinton thinks about the indictments? Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, it's hard to believe. I, I don't feel any satisfaction. I feel great, uh, you know, just just great profound sadness that uh, we have a former president who has been indicted uh, for so many uh, charges that went right to the heart of whether or not our democracy would survive. Uh, he set out to defraud the United <laughs> States of America and uh, the citizens uh, of our nation. That's, that's pretty rich coming from Hillary Clinton, who conspired with journalists and the DNC and the Steele dossier and perpetuated the Russia hoax and still questioned the election and legitimacy uh, because of a uh, Russian interference. Republicans had the Can opportunity. Republicans had the opportunity to go after Hillary Clinton for very legitimate reasons. And instead, we largely poo pooed it and said, well, we can't politicize the DOJ. That's never been done before, except <laughs> that dozens of times it's been done in our nation's history. And no one's willing to play hardball. And that's where, Nobody. I, that's where I agree with the populists. I'm not a populist. But they are very correct there that like Republicans only want to write strongly worded letters. And Democrats are out for blood in this particular instance. And it's why this entire thing is just a, an unmitigated disaster. Wake me up. I see what you did there. Playing Wham for Wham Fest. I mean, uh, good choice, Allison. Uh, That's Tony Kennett filling in for Jason Hammer over there. A couple special guests live in studio. Wham Fest this weekend. Craig Park in Greenwood. Here's why I like Russ Dodge and Noah both here uh, for joining us. Noah, you what brewery are you from? It's Garfield. Garfield Brewery. Yeah. Awesome. And Russ is you. You're like running the show, right? Well, I do a lot of the marketing, so yeah. you know, there are ads running in your show and a lot of the other 
shows here on WIBC as well as the fan, and I am sometimes the voice of Wimfest. They try to make me the face once in a while, but I got no, a face I for did, radio. I so I'm, get I'm glad, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> to be here where I am most comfortable. Here's why I like Wamfest, and here's why I like the idea of again wine, art, music, and microbrew. It's because it's it, like 100% of the net proceeds go to the local community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that and, right? Yeah. In all the years it's been around, this year, the total should top cumulatively a million dollars. Wow. Can you imagine wow. that? What, what's the idea behind this? I well, mean, like, yeah, like, you got to know that Sertoma stands for Service to Mankind, and all the Sertoma organizations have fundraisers to benefit their communities. So, Sertoma back, Club of Greenwood. Yeah, right? years back, they decided they were not going to do the traditional stuff and came up with the idea of putting together this wine, art, music, and microbrew, and it was totally staffed by the club members the first few years, and it started to grow, so there were more people outside that got involved, like myself, and you know, we just continued to promote what's going on and this year for the first time on the music side of it a national act spin doctors of course that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Doctors. yeah how big is that um and then, and then many other artists oh yeah well, yeah right? it, it basically goes noon to 9 p.m this saturday craig park in greenwood and the music gets on stage here oh probably about 12 45 or thereabouts and it's back to back because there's two stages uh you've got pushing daisies band fancy sauce blue river band parrots of the caribbean one guess to you know what they do it's <laughs> jimmy buffett all the way of course there we go. And, then, <laughs> and then somewhere around seven o'clock Doctors, hey, it's the Allison, stage. I want clo- I want to I want a closing music to, when we end this segment to uh, two princes from Spin Doctors. Okay, nice. if you could find Classic. that, let's end that. So perfect. Uh, pick. Uh, Noah from Garfield Brewery. Why? So yeah. I mean, there's tons of breweries there. Tell us about Garfield Brewery and yeah. how you involved. Absolutely. So we're located just north of I, I guess Greenwood, the the host of Whamfest, um, and we're we're really big into serving our community as, as Garfield Park. Uh, we're located just northeast of the park. On Shelby Street, We just celebrated five years in July. Congrats! Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. thank you so I much. I love any. I mean, you weathered the storm during COVID. You obviously Absolutely. guys know what you're doing, and I feel like any local brewery or any local business that got through that ridiculous thing is uh, needs to be needs to be recognized. So oh, thank you. I, uh, yeah. Um, did you you brought us something there? Yeah, today. absolutely. You, I brought uh, some treats. You guys are gonna get to drink at work today. <laughs> you mean like every day? <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> I need to get into radio. Well, then. you know, you guys are known for Beer Friday, but isn't every day beer, beer day Friday. on <laughs> the, the well, Noah's opening. What, what do we have here, Noah? The, so I've got okay. a uh, Red Line Amber Ale. Named after every every person's favorite form of public transportation. Uh, this is our farmer's market watermelon uh, wheat ale. Oh, you're going to want it's the water. You want to try the watermelon, yeah, Tony? Yeah, yeah. 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 Here. Do you have any cups or do you guys? Yeah, no oh. cups. All right. No, no, no. It's all or nothing. Call it sip and share. <laughs> and by the way, Russ, a lot of food at Wham Fest. Oh, this is well, amazing. Right? Yeah, I always tell people for Wham Fest, if you get down there and you leave there and you're either hungry or thirsty or you haven't had enough music, it's your own darn fault. How many vendors <laughs> are you guys expecting? Yeah, I was going to say the list is because it. I, I took a quick scan. That thing's immense. 
Yeah, all the uh, food vendors, there's uh, oh, like maybe 15 or thereabouts, and uh, the breweries, there's uh, over 10, and I think we've got about five or six wineries out there as well, not to mention other people that are out there in representing sponsors and the likes of that. It's sponsored by Ray Skillman Automotive Group, uh, and they've been a part of this pretty much from day one because their home base, they've got dealerships all over the city, but their main base is Greenwood. And again, uh, it's... A volunteer. How many volunteers and how much time and uh, energy goes into to planning something I like this? I couldn't even count. I mean, when it's over, they do a summary and analysis of what has happened. And by this fall, deeply into preparing for next year. And the I decision on wow. Spin mm-hmm. Doctors was made months ago because mm-hmm. you got to do that if you're going to book a national act. Sure. I love it. That To me, that matters more than anything because you have a local event that's snowballed over several years. This isn't just like some company decided to drop in and spread a bunch of carpets on the Monument Circle. This is like actually (laughs) setting up an event that people really liked so it got bigger every year. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's how how you can tell a good event from like some AstroTurf one. Yeah, we got some help from some of the other neighboring Sertoma groups as well. And one of the big volunteer groups is the Boy Scouts. They come down and handle like the trash and all that. Yeah, and and this is family friendly too, right? This is kids kids Mm -hmm. get in a certain age free? Is that? Uh, Yeah, the 13 and under I believe is free. So, and you go to Wham com, and you can Two buy advanced, advanced tickets. And on the website, if you want to get a hard ticket in person, there's about a half a dozen locations south side of Indianapolis as well as Greenwood that you can pick up your tickets and at be- as well. Before we close out here, uh, Noah and Russ, uh, you both can give advice to somebody that's coming for the first time. Do they get there early? Do they find a place to park? What's your advice for first timers? Uh, my advice is go to the website. It'll give you details on where to park because there's multiple parking spots, but none of them are very big. So you kind of have to know what to what to go yeah. look for and follow the direction that they uh, give you there. I also recommend getting an advance ticket if you can because that saves time having to buy your ticket when, when you get there. And then leave your appetite at home and leave, okay. leave your thirst behind. And just it's going to be taken care of when you get there. And if you want... You to bring a lawn chair with you so you yeah, can chill out go, and go out on the two, the two stages. Uh, one of them is a permanent stage now, and the other one is a, a makeshift. Uh, we've, we've been doing two setup stages so for years. Spin Doctors at Wham Fest, Wine Art Music and Microbrew. Noah, real quick, tell us about your brewery again. Yeah, so we're uh, Garfield Brewery. We're going to be over there at Wham Fest this weekend, uh, probably bringing five or six beers. Um, yeah, joining a really great lineup of, I, I believe, 10 total brewers. So we're excited to be out there and Excellent. celebrate the community. Russ, Noah, whamfest.com. That's two M's. Go check it out. Good luck this weekend, guys. Thank, Thank you. you appreciate very it. Much. Thank you very much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Show. My name is Nigel, Tony Kennett, investigative columnist for the Daily Signal, filling in for Hammer. Um, I, people are, the Iowa State Fair is still going on, and actually, um, the Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, was the star over this past weekend, right? We all heard, <laughs> we all heard the M&M. 
He got I, up on stage and did what? Uh, what, what song was it? Lose, uh, lose yourself. Yeah, lose yourself in the moment. Yeah. If you ever had. Right, and so One he moment. got like a karaoke or whatever, and was was getting everybody fired up, and some people. A GOP it. presidential candidate said, "Mom, spaghetti on stage <laughs> at a state fair." I, this is the greatest timeline. Why do people? Why does uh, Vivek? Uh, Vivek. Vivek, bless you, <clears throat> Ramaswamy. Um, why does he resonate with people? Uh, I mean, well, first of all, he's young. He's the first millennial candidate the GOP are, are sending forward. And again, in an era where everyone is moving in or out of the nursing yeah. home and they have to put up uh, <laughs> those like Alzheimer ward bookshelf doors in the U.S. Capitol for for McConnell and Feinstein. I mean, this is at a point that people really do want a younger candidate. Also, he's willing to throw punches. So, again, the reason that DeSantis, when he was governor, and Trump and, and Vivek are good candidates to the public is that they can look directly at a reporter who asks a snotty question, call him out on it, and then say Absolutely. something culturally relevant to those that they are with. I have a perfect example of this right here. And then, again, then all, a, a bunch of the candidates were in Iowa at that state fair of the week weekend because, of course, Iowa... Tony is, you know, a, a big deal in terms of the GOP primary. Uh, here is, <laughs> I feel dumb even saying this, a pansexual reporter. Pansexual, I believe that's like anything and everything, right? Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, yet, a, yet another imaginary word. Okay. Continue. Um, a pansexual reporter trying to debate right. uh, Vivek Ramaswamy at the Iowa State Fair, and then he kind of just turns the table. This is a little bit longer a clip than I'd like to play, um, but um, it's like two minutes long. But just kind of listen to her question or his question or what I don't. I'm not sure what sex the pansexual reporter is, and then listen to Vivek and his uh, answer. I was just wondering, um, what were your opinions on the LGBT? Well, I don't think it's one community. Really? Yeah. I mean, how could it be? You just mashed together an alphabet soup. Trans is fundamentally in tension with gay, if you ask me. But what's your opinion? I am personally a pansexual, so I was okay. just wondering what your views on same-sex couples were. I don't have a negative view of same-sex couples, but I do have a negative view of a tyranny of the minority. So, so I think that in the name of protecting against a tyranny of the majority, and there are times in this country's history where we have had a tyranny of the majority, we have now, in the name of protecting against tyranny of the majority, created a new tyranny of the minority. And I think that that's wrong. I don't think that somebody who's religious should be forced to officiate a wedding that they disagree with. I don't think somebody who is a woman who's worked really hard for her achievements should be forced to compete against a biological man in a swim competition. I don't think that somebody who's a woman that respects her bodily autonomy and dignity should be forced to change clothes in a locker room with a man. That's not freedom, that's oppression. And so I believe that we live in a country where free adults should be free to dress how they want, behave how they want, and that's fine. But you don't oppress, you don't become oppressive by foisting that on others. And that especially includes kids, because kids aren't the same as adults. And so I think adults are free to make whatever choices they want. But do not foist that ideology onto children before children are in a position as adults to make decisions for themselves. And so I think a lot of the frustration in the country, and if I'm being really honest, that I also share, comes from that new culture of oppression where saying those things can actually get somebody punished. And in my case, it's part of why it's my responsibility to say them. And I respect that you may have a different opinion, and that's okay. It's part of what makes our country great is that you and I can be civil and have this conversation, and that we live in a country that still gives us, each of us, the right to speak you know, to a presidential candidate and back. And 
still say that we pledge allegiance to the same nation. So I think that's the beauty of our country, and that's my honest opinion. Awesome. Well, Thanks. thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your civility as well. So I appreciate you have it. this pansexual reporter trying to bait him or trap Vivek Ramaswamy yep. into something. And right. You same saw what leading he did there. questions. The, br- yep. the brilliance of his, he immediately gave a brilliant response and said, by the way, what's your opinion? Yep. And, and that's then, how you do it. That's why those candidates are popular. And, and by the way, since we're in a world in which new forms of sexuality are invented every three and a half minutes, because pansexual just means you'll have sex with anyone, which is also what bisexual means, which is also what demisexual, polysexual, and a lot of other. Demi? Yeah. Demisexual means that you, you kind of go back and forth one between the other. Uh, so I, I learned this in my equity class at, in Indianapolis public schools. So at the, at the end of the day, that's one of the reasons that he's popular is because you have more Republicans who are willing to look, and this is one of the reasons Jim Banks is popular and are currently running for Indiana Senate. He's willing to look at the media, deliver an articulate answer that says, no, you're not going to give me a leading question. This is exactly how I feel about this. Quit acting silly. And then if you lambast me as evil for this, it's going to blow up in your face instead. Well, I thought he said something towards the end called the tyranny of the minority. Yep. Which is what you were just talking about. Right. Yesterday, tyranny of the minority is a very interesting way to Put in. Here's why. Remember yesterday at around this time, maybe it was next hour, we played this audio of a doctor on TikTok. I oh, know this was Libs of TikTok that found uh, this doctor that said if you're a straight man, it doesn't make you gay if you hook up with a trans woman. Straight men are attracted to trans women who haven't had bottom surgery. This is very disconcerting and confusing to women when they find this out because they think, well, if she hasn't had bottom surgery, then and you want to play with that part of her, then you can't be 100% straight. But that doesn't make sense because you have to remember that these are still women. Trans women are women. They are female. The attraction to her is from the waist up, but it can also be from the waist down. And they can experience pleasure playing with that person from the waist down. Really? But that act, again, doesn't indicate a sexual orientation. It indicates an attraction to the person, to the woman, the trans woman. That's a doctor. So you, you uh, remember back in the 90s where if you liked dudes, you were gay, and if you didn't, you weren't? Like that, that was like very simple. And for all of human history, we've kind of held that uh, kind of understanding that if you like, you know, if you're a dude who likes dudes, that would be gay. If you're a dude who likes women, that would be heterosexual. Well, that's that's how that functions. So whatever blows your hair back. What, we're yeah. now in a in a spot where we're gonna you know try to cr- crazily invent these terms and no, it's not actually about sexuality because it's about sexuality totally. Then really, it's not appropriate for kids to hear about. Absolutely. So you not. have to say it's about the heart and the mind of the individual, which creates all of this discord. With well, the heart's separate from the the mind, which is separate from your private parts, which could or couldn't be changed and maybe different. And like it, none of it makes sense. So you have this stuttering goofball making up new rules but that here, will change in three it, minutes. And here's why I'm, again, Vivek Ramaswamy and his uh, his terminology, tyranny of the minority. And I'll, t- I'll give you another example of that. The trans community wants you to know now. This is I found this on uh, Clown World. Do you follow Clown World on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, from the Ministry this of is Truth. A trans, this is a trans world. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a trans <laughs> male. <laughs> a trans male. Um, no, I'm sorry. I don't know. I just get so back. A dude pretending to be a woman. A man pretending to be a woman. Yep. He wants you to know that if you're a cis male, cis is just like a heterosexual, normal white male. 
and you don't or won't date trans women, you're indeed a transphobe. Ooh. And uh, that's what I'm talking about with the tyranny of minority here. Listen to the song this person made up. If you're cis and you won't date trans folks, you're transphobe. Now, if that made you mad, maybe it's your prejudices that you need to probe. No matter the reasons you've got, you're reducing us to when we disrobe. But transphobia is transphobia, and you won't get a pass when we're through. We're human beings, not sex organs, cis lesbians. I'm talking to you. Ah, <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay. So first so of there, all, if you're a cis male and you don't don't want to date trans women, you are a bigot. Sorry, transphobe. And that was weird. Allison, I got a question. This is a high school question uh, about like classes. So remember how like when, when when we were in high school, you had people who were like car guys, like they were into cars, and you had like the horse girls who were really only into horses. Sure. Like that was their entire personality. Sure. So there's another kind of kid in high school. They're called theater kids, and theater kids are obsessed with musical theater, and they're singing all the time. And the key thing about theater major kids is that they like never let it go, no matter what job they eventually, because they don't all get jobs in like musical theater. So they like they they cling on to. It. And so that's, first of all, that's why they're singing this through. It's because I, I bet you dollars <laughs> to dimes this individual used to be a theater kid. So so putting that aside, the tyranny of the minority is, is hilarious because it's the eggshell skull case, which is an old logical fallacy that if your skull is thin, then you would require everyone to wear helmets because it would make you feel more normal for everyone to wear helmets, even though you're the only one that needs one with the yeah. eggshell skull. And again, because the rules are changing so fast... You don't even know what the rules are. I mean, again, just to also dive into what words mean, to be phobic of something means you have a fear of something. I'm not scared of trans people. I think that transgender individuals have a mental illness that needs love, care, and counseling, not... You don't tell a person with schizophrenia you can also hear the toaster talking. That's not medically appropriate. You don't tell a person with bulimia that it's healthy to keep throwing up their food. You don't lean into it. No, right? because that causes severe psychological trauma and can drive them into very dangerous decisions. It's one of the reasons that the transgender suicide rate is so high. So someone lecturing you about why you need to lean into a mental illness that does not need affirmation, it needs reconciliation, is is not just annoying it's morally wrong that's tony kennett filling in for hammer i am nigel we'll be right back it's a hammer nigel show i'm nigel tony kennett's filling in for hammer that's this right chick on a flight from paris to la used both hands to stop the person in front of her from reclining her seat and somebody recorded this back and forth exchange like every time the woman in the front tries to to plead her case this other chick cuts her off repeatedly saying respect the person behind you respect the person behind you Uh, so who's in the right here? Who's in the wrong? Who's in the right? Especially so, on a flight from Paris to Los Angeles. Okay, so, I mean, look, the, the, the seats are made to recline. That's the key. Okay, if this is like a mid-afternoon flight from Indy to D.C., which I've taken a lot of times, uh, maybe, I don't know, I kind of 
get a feel for maybe not reclining back all the way, I guess. But I, I mean, you can hear the like the the classic suburban Karen in her voice, like <laughs> respect re- respectfully, concern. like respect, like with respect, respectfully, respectfully. Like, okay, first of all, if you have to qualify it, it's not respectful. Um, also, this imaginary idea that I'm not allowed to use the functions of my seat, of course, that are That's included point. in a complimentary fashion on this long flight. I don't know what time of day this was, you know, theoretically, when this video was taken. I haven't seen the video. I don't know whether it's light outside, dark outside, whatever. But then someone wants to sleep on the plane, let them. The bottom line is you're allowed to re- use the seat recliner because it's... What it's, critical work are you doing on your computer on a London or on a Paris to L.A. flight? Like, are, you, are you, by the way, are you a sleeper on flights? And the reason I ask is because the sleep expert has was talking about five different ways to sleep peace, peacefully on a plane. I can't sleep on a plane. I used to be able to. And then my wife, uh, I got married. <laughs> and and no, no, no. It's so here's, here's, here's where this one comes in. So my wife told me once that there was this doctor who said that you do you like your brain thinks better when you're on a plane something about like the air pressure and like i don't know something about how that all works and i wrote an article on one flight and it was one of the best performing articles i ever wrote and it was an op-ed like no one okay. articles whatever so from now on you're i'm working. always writing articles when i'm on plane. Well, the sleep expert says a don't drink alcohol on a plane that's automatically i'm done with that <laughs> So don't drink alcohol on a plane. Like telling a fish not to yeah, swim. It's easy to fall asleep on alcohol, but you get horrible sleep because of the alcohol. They suggest taking like a like a hard thirty minute walk around the airport before you board, so it'll tire you out. Uh, I'm just picturing be- someone power walking in circles <laughs> yeah. down the B concourse right. in Indianapolis. Download like a white noise app. Put your headphones on. Prepare a sleep kit for the flight. Have you ever worn a sleep mask on a flight, Tony? No. No, no, no. Good, However, I, I have to I, seriously. Be I, I, yeah, I don't have a mask. Although I, I do when I'm like at home. I usually do throw like a, a, a blanket over my like the, the top half of my face so that like when the light comes <laughs> on, it doesn't bother me. So I can't judge too harshly there. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock. Well, uh, Tony Kennett, I'm glad Joe Biden finally had time for a comment about the Hawaiian wildfires that have. Killed up to 99 people confirmed. There's got to be scores more, according to the governor. Um, very. The thing is, which wild is like very few of these cadavers, these corpses that have been recovered, have been identified. Only right. two or three have been identified. And this is, I mean, we're talking 99 people right now, as of now, uh, that were found. There's going to be a lot more devastation, especially when you're talking about historic Lahaina. Which, you know, the focus is on that town outside of, of Maui. And many, like everybody's in shelters. The shelters are overwhelmed. They're going into hotel rooms. Um, it's, you know, the good news is they've been overwhelmed with donations of food, ice, water. I've been, you know, they've been pouring in. And, and it's going to be a while before they are able to, A, recover the bodies, figure out who they are, and then rebuild. They got They can't even, you know, mow down what's there now because they don't know if they're mowing down a body or not. That's what it's, really, it's, that's what stuck out to me. It, I mean, just the the horror of, of not being able to clean up because you're not yeah, yet sure yeah. what may you know you don't want to, you know, disinter a corpse disrespectfully something like that. I mean, it's just a horrible situation. So one would expect 
the, the president of the United States, when he first heard about this, when he was first asked about it, to provide some kind of a comment. Because when you hear of a tragedy, it's, it's not difficult to at least say, I've been made aware of this very shortly. It's a very terrible thing. We're monitoring this closely. That's all you have to say. And, uh, and so when he was getting into his uh, a motorcade yesterday or the day before, yeah, he was. The, the uh, reporters asked him, you know, do you have a comment about the deceased? Do you have a comment about the wildfires, the devastation? And they specifically said Maui. It's not like you yeah. can you can't really turn this one around. And he looked directly at the reporter and said no comment. Said the words no comment. Correct. It's not that he didn't say anything and just got into the motorcade and left. Right. He said no comment. I'm smart enough to know. I'm not a political strategist. You're a hundred times smarter than I am. Even I, I could come up with something just like you got to have something in your back pocket when somebody asks you a question like that. So, like, you know, hey, we're working few- on it. FEMA's on it. Um, uh, I'm going to have uh, another statement later. Praying for the families, uh, praying for the, the the loved ones that that have been lost. Anything that's just off the top of my head. President Biden, Joe Biden, has been in the U.S. Senate since 1793, and one would think in his <laughs> in his over. 250 years of service uh, in the U.S. Senate that he might know uh, naturally how to respond to the press. And you see this from the President of the United States increasingly when he is caught off guard and when he is asked to step off of the very carefully curated script that we have heard on the hot mic that, that gentlemen are walking him through what he is to say, where he is to move, how he is to speak, that you get these very weird moments that reveal that the President of the United States is not fit mentally to hold the office. This is an easy thing to respond to. And it's not easy because it's an easy situation, but because every human out there knows that you don't respond to a tragedy as you would respond when someone uh, says something in, in a condemnatory or a political fashion. How do you feel He's Biden's been getting dinged for not flying to Maui, not showing up to Maui? How do you... I, I'm, I don't know that I'm I'm 100% on board with, you know, I don't need the president to come right away, at least. Like, he never he never really came to Ohio, New Palestine. No, didn't come to Nashville um, either. Didn't come to Nashville. Right. Um, like, I feel like if Biden were to come to Maui right now, it would be more of a hassle for the people that are trying to clean up and uh, that are in charge there to accommodate a, a president's presence. So I'm um, I'm going to be honest. First of all, I'm going to point out that I'm I'm not an expert and that I'm not leveling my my opinion here as though you should take it as fact. I am going to say that there are a lot of people who put a lot of value into the president going to a place where a tragedy has occurred to offer his condolences personally and to hear from the victims. That is expected. Uh, George Bush, uh, Barack Obama, and. Uh, President Trump were raked over the coals consistently for where they did and did not go when it concerned a tragedy. I am not, to me, it is more important the response that you provide rather than where you are physically. However, I'm saying that as someone who has never been in a community that has experienced a tragedy asking for the president to come. So I'm, I'm going to respectfully kind of check out of, of throwing my opinion in on, on where the president goes. Uh, just that, again, you know, this is the president who normally hides in his basement and calls a cap at about 2 p.m. during the day. So, I mean, it, I don't know what people are genuinely expecting as far as bringing a dementia patient abroad. 
And I mean that seriously. I, I, it's, it's, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, it's all you could do is laugh. I, I love how. No, because it's so sad. You're right. I mean, if you if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah. It really is just that pathetic. And that guy is the leader of the free world. Yep. No, don't decisions. you. Comfort supposed to be comforting victim. I mean, there was a serious question that he was going to whether he was going to respond to the victims of of these horrible this horrible disaster in Hawaii the same way that he responded to the Gold Star families. Whether he was going to compare it to losing Bo or you know whether he was going to tell them you know when he was oh, a kid he God. grew up in a Hawaiian neighborhood as opposed to just the Puerto Rican and the black <laughs> and the Hispanic neighborhoods that he apparently grew up in. So it's it's no wonder he didn't have a comment to provide because when he's spoken off script before it has not gone particularly well. Interesting fun fact about the district attorney who indicted former President Donald Trump. Oh, hit uh, me. late last night. Hit me. Her name's Fanny Willis. Fulton County DA indicting Donald Trump and 18 lawyers, aides, and supporters. She's got re-election coming up. Oh, it's very important. Got to get that money. fundraising off the prosecution of one Mr. Donald Trump. I believe it. you told me earlier that she was bragging about, I mean, this was a goal of hers. Yeah. So, you know, I hear from the Indianapolis Democrats and the Indiana Democrats and the Indy Star and and the Indiana ACLU all the time, that they're very angry at Todd Rakita because when he published that parental bill of rights, they're saying that he is weaponizing the office of the attorney general for political means. Yeah, we had him in here he's last shoving, week. He's shoving his politics into his office and it's supposed to be nonpartisan. How could they? And yet I see a lot of individuals cheering, uh, those same individuals cheering District Attorney Fanny on, on the open campaign of prosecuting an individual with the intent of not of bringing them to justice, but with the intent of, of basically making sure that the jury leans a very specific way as though measure my success like by locking jury. Donald Trump up, which, by the way, is not representing a state, is not representing Fulton County. It is representing your own political interests to the office. This is the fourth indictment of Trump. We, we go back to New York for the... The business records deal with the campaign finance and Stormy Daniels payoffs. Uh, we go. We have a federal indictment. Remember in Miami over the, all the presidential records, Mar-a-Lago, the classified documents, the same thing that Joe Biden's guilty of. And then we have the January sixth incitement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have this now, this fourth indictment for his for Donald Trump's efforts because he challenged the 2020 presidential election results. He is now facing the possibility of actually going behind bars. And I do believe uh, from everything I've seen, we're going to see a a, a mugshot. Oh, that's going to be the most. I, I'm already preparing Photoshop templates to put that mugshot into <laughs> to sell T-shirts off of it from the Ministry of oh, Truth. He's going he's gonna to fundraise off this. Of course that's he is. Realize I'm, I'm going to make some money see. off of this. It's going to be one of the best. Oh, you bet I am. I'm going to sell T-shirts from the Ministry of Truth account that, that have him uh, somewhere. I, I'm going to make money off of that because that is such a stupid thing for the left to get. He's going to have this big crap-eating grin on his face, which he should. And I, I told you this earlier, Nigel. I've, we've, I've talked about this after every single indictment that. That he's been hit with, the more you hit him with indictment-wise, one after another in a very short window after they had all that time during the Biden administration where they could have leveled indictments, which, by the way, we've seen that investigations into him were paused and left alone and kind of sort of canceled. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. That... 
slow walked. Right. The more that you add these up, the weaker the quote unquote solid indictments become. So the only solid indictments that I have seen so far against President Trump are the classified documents, which are still politically horrible. Yet, as far as obeying the law, those do stick. So if you take that and you water them down with the January 6th stuff and you water them down with this New York case that's silly and you water them down with a bunch of Georgia nonsense, he told people to watch Newsmax and OANN. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I mean, that's literally, that's literally the one of the indictment. That's yeah, literally but- one of the things they're hitting people with. So that's watering down what many people are perceiving. So now you're just confirming to additional people who probably would have gone to vote for Joe Biden that Trump is under the political fire he's claimed he has. Here's a, a comment from a representative out of New Jersey, Jeff Andrew. All these indictments have been sad, not because the president has done anything wrong. He hasn't. He believes what he said, and he told what he, he said what he believed. And this whole RICO statute thing they're using here for Trump and the, I mean, it's in the teens of all the other, Rudy Giuliani included. Oh, yeah. It's going to make it much easier for them to to get a conviction. And the DA wants to try them all together like Harvey Dent, stuff them all into the same courtroom. <laughs> I'm Seriously, that's what she's yeah. asked for. Emma and Nigel presents is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this... Anything. All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Tony Kennett is filling in for Hammer. You are an investigative columnist for the Daily Signal. Uh, you, I assume, know how to play Is This Anything? You were here last week. It you is my drill. favorite segment. All right. Hammer usually gives the stories to me. I'll give them to you. A Karen wouldn't let a food delivery person through the door of her apartment building. Here's why. The guy who ordered the food... Well, here, I'll have the audio for you. The guy that ordered the food obviously upset about it and asked her why she did it. Here's how that played out. So where do you, what's your apartment? I'm not telling you about my apartment. You're not going to? No. So you just act like the police here and... No, I don't, sir. So why didn't you let my delivery... Because we have had so much stuff around here and we live in a secure building for a yeah, reason. Yeah, so you didn't see that no. he had food in his hand to that, deliver to me? I you... don't know. He, could, he tried four people. How is this any of your here. business? Why are you sitting in the lobby because monitoring what goes here. on here? I live here too. I want to get my in. food delivered to my then door. Buzzed I buzzed him in and you stopped. I, no, you never buzzed him in. I buzzed him in, and you wouldn't let him in. That buzzer never went. Okay, so you're just the police of who gets buzzed no. into the door now? No, I just... I'm going to go talk to the landlord right now. Go right ahead. I expect an apology right soon. Absolutely. Okay, I can't wait. I swear they all... Is this anything? They all sound the same. Every, I swear, every suburban Karen, they sound the exact same. The entitlement seeps through the wrinkled pores. Okay. By the way, just just an added note before you start here, Tony. Thanks. She's uh, sitting in the lobby uh, wearing a mask. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, oh, shocker, (laughs) shock and awe. So I will point out that you immediately know that she's wrong because she admits tacitly uh, after she admits that she's wrong tacitly after she was caught lying. So she said, you didn't buzz him in. He said, I did buzz him in. You did not let him past you. And then she's like, well, you shouldn't be buzzing people in. Okay. Ah, (laughs) so you're caught. That's number one. Number two, I can buzz in. I am an equal Like, I have equal rights to allow people into the building as much as you do. 
And when I used to, I used to live in a a small, like four unit building when I was in Greenfield before I got married and we moved to Indianapolis for a while. The good old days. And uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, And I had an older lady across the hall from me who basically did the same thing at at one point. I had family come over to to visit and they were loud in the hallway at four in the afternoon before they, they came to my door, according to my neighbor. And she was all upset about it. Well, you need to make sure your guests are quiet in the hall. First of all, the hallway was like three feet by like 10 feet, including the stairs to the second level. So no, I, I don't get why people think they need to be the super personal police. Just le- let people get their food delivered. No one's busting in your door, Karen. Have you ever heard of the actress Taryn Manning? Not even once. She uh, is most famous for playing uh, on uh, one of Eminem's girlfriends in the movie Eight Mile. Here is a, uh, a scene from that with uh, actress Taryn Manning. You gotta get out of here. But I didn't know what else to do. Tell me why you left. Tell me and I'll leave you alone. It's not you, okay? Janine, it's me. I had to go. Why? What are you running from? Nothing. Would you just go? You know that everybody's calling you a loser from the other night? Who said that? Oh, everybody's talking about it. How you froze up and got booed off stage. Fuck you, Janine. Go home. So Terry Manning, again, most famous for her role as, uh, I believe, uh, what was his name in 8 Mile Jimmy or something like that? I have not seen this. I'm uh, sorry. You've never seen 8 Mile? No. In fact, I keep on forgetting you're still in your your late 20s, but this 8 Mile. Sorry about that. Um, well, Taryn Manning, her career has not gone favorably. She's still working. Judging that's like what her biggest role is, I, I that would probably tip well, me off to that. She posted a video admitting in graphic detail that she's been messing around with a married man. Okay. And she's threatening his ex-wife, or she's threatening his wife for confronting her. Uh, She apologized and removed the video, but page six still has it posted. Here is actress Taryn Manning uh, on most of her rant here. So, (laughs) the man that I've been messing with is a married man, and every night I was licking his Oh. Nope. Because he liked it. And I didn't mind doing it. Is that weird? Yeah. And that is what demons do. We drove all the way down to Newport Beach today so I could buy him a boat. (laughs) And I brought cash to put a down payment down. Like, I really loved him. And his wife, because he's married, and I feel so bad because I can't stand her. (laughs) There's a surprise. Because she wasn't even like, wait, what? You've been messing with my man? She said, you lunatic, you get out of my life or I'll I'll get an RO on you. (laughs) I've been licking your man's for weeks on end because he likes it a lot, and I do it to him. And he comes to me, and it happens. (laughs) I know it's a lot of information, but I'm the lunatic, yes. right? No, I'm just single, very single, and he came to me. So you don't accuse me of being the lunatic, but I'll tell you one thing, lady. You want to put me in jail? I'll put you in jail so fast, your head will be spinning. Don't you ever threaten me. When your husband came to me to get his <laughs> licked. 
uh-huh. actress uh-huh. Taryn Manning, again, uh-huh. most famous uh-huh. for playing uh, Eminem's side piece on 8 Mile. Uh, is this anything? I can smell her through the audio. Yeah. I can I mean, smell that. You should see. She's Gross. not doing well. I mean, no, she's, I mean, she's, she's like, can, dirt, like an 8 Mile, she's like dirty hot. She's like Detroit dirty. She's like like the dirty car butt. mechanic girl hot kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah. Covered in she's oil got like a whatever. music career, too. She okay. did. She, but boy, the way she looks in this video. Okay. There is is some additional drugs involved. Ask the question. You got it. Is this anything? Okay. uh, Good Lord. Uh, (laughs) First of all, you're single. Um, That does not entitle you to wreck a marriage. Number two, hey, dude, uh, why don't you stick with the marriage you made a commitment over? So that would be number uh, number two. And number three, my wife has has made a promise to me, and I love her very much for this because it's the kind of commitment that I'm that I'm very much interested in. She said, you know, she is not interested in being an ex-wife. She will, however, be a widow. So uh, (laughs) to to all of those out there and loving marriages, uh, I mean, you you could always be you know sleeping around with uh Uh this piece of work so you know value what you have dudes love your wives uh all right we got time for one more one more quick one tracy morgan comedian actor okay uh lost a bunch of weight recently cool and he's he's admitted how he did it uh and he he was on hoda and jenna never heard of it hoda Hoda, uh, allison hoda and jenna you know that show it's right after the Today Show. Oh boy, it's a, the Jenna Bush and Hoda. Oh, Jenna Bush. Okay, yeah. okay, now I know who it is. Uh, okay. By the way, you've been working on your body and on your health. No, you- that's Ozempic. <laughs> <laughs> that's you're, how this week got lost. You're not, are you really on Ozempic? Ozempic. <laughs> Went and got a prescription, and I got Ozempic. No, you did. You, <laughs> wait, wait, are you really you're on, on Ozempic? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you, look, you look great. Every Thursday. <laughs> All right. Cuts my appetite in half. Wow. Well, you look good, Tracy. I only eat half a bag of Doritos. <laughs> so, Ozempic. People are using this drug now. I believe it's for diabetes to use hmm. it's for a weight loss drug. Have you ever heard of Ozempic? No. Nope. Is this anything? Uh, it, is, it is something, absolutely. First of all, Tracy Morgan's hilarious. I've always thought he just has a really great delivery. Oh, so, yeah. if he says it, he said it like it was a joke. He did. He delivered it like that. So no wonder they started laughing. I'm un- unusually on their side for it. Like he said it like a joke. But the fact that people are using this drug, it's hard to find. And it's for diabetes patients, but now they've found additional uses for it. People don't have to do the work to lose hey, the weight. If you're an adult and you want to take a risk and that's what does it. Okay. All right. Fair that's enough. your call. It's your life. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Nigel, Tony Kennett is filling in for Jason Hammer. Uh, 5.30 today. It's Tuesdays with Tony Katz. Uh, I want to know what he thinks is the bigger news story. Joe Biden, the Biden crime family, this Weiss special counsel guy that was appointed special counsel when he's already been working for the DOJ on Hunter Biden's case for years. I thought the I really thought the point of appointing a special counsel was to bring somebody in from outside the government. Yeah, you mean to run an investigation and look at things with a fresh set of eyes? Yeah, I mean that's the idea that you want to bring in someone <laughs> right. that is that is even more impartial because they're unfamiliar with yes. it. They look over all of the data from the beginning to the end and then they provide their insight and then kind of give an ad- advisory direction to proceed. And yeah, they're literally bringing the person who would be the most biased uh, I mean, again, the idea with, with Hunter Biden's botched plea deal, and now there's yeah. like this revivification nonsense and the whole mess, it is just, 
I mean, man, it is just a mess. We will hear from Tony Katz about an hour from now with two and days. He, he is revved up. Yeah, he was fired up. Oh, so yeah. I, I just want to know what the bigger story is. Is it that or is it that Donald Trump is indicted for a fourth time? Stick around and find in out. Georgia. Time to check in with the world's battle against COVID-19. Huh? COVID-19. Oh, I swear that I mean at this moment. Three. There are three vaccines. There's actually more now, I think. China piss off. Now you've made the world cough. We're all nervous because of COVID-19. How many COVID vaccines are there is what I'm typing in right now because I think there's more than three. I think there's, there's, there was Johnson and Johnson. There was Moderna. There was mm-hmm. Pfizer, but there's like Astra's. I, I don't. No, Novavax. Novavax. Oh, okay. So maybe there's four. I don't know. But anyway, the. You know, New Zealand used to be a place where, like my dad said, if the world ever went to crap, I'd move to New Zealand. Oh, yeah, that's where they shot the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he goes to New Zealand, you know, love New Zealand. My dad's been more than three years after the start of the pandemic, New Zealand finally dropping its last of the COVID-19 restrictions. Only three months late (laughs) after the World Health Organization and its participating members, which include New Zealand, declared the pandemic was over in every country. I just still am stunned that they have any sort of restrictions whatsoever. I guess I'm not stunned. Their previous prime minister, Jacinda Ardern, was creepy authoritarian and Orwellian. Some of the Still most is. brutal... She, she's Cruella DeVille in the flesh. She is some of the most brutal lockdowns ever. I mean, in, in terms of policy and mandates and vaccines. As of midnight, the country's going to drop its requirement that people with the virus self-isolate for seven days and the requirement that masks be worn in hospitals and healthcare facilities. That was the final... Restriction in New Zealand, the masks and the isolation. I mean, a lot of our local hospitals have just finally stopped requiring people to wear masks inside. It was only a few months ago that there were still some local Indiana hospitals that required people to mask indoors. My son had strep over Christmas, uh-huh. and we walked into where we go, a Riverview over there in Carmel, just start off on four twenty one, and they were great. They were awesome. Um, got us right in. It was Christmas Day. But, sir, you got to put on a mask. I had no clue. I had no, you know, I walked in there and, and, you know, the first thing they said to me, sir, mask. And that was over Christmas. And I kind of felt like an a-hole. I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I, I didn't know we were still doing that. It's like you're supposed, had to, to, wear masks like you're supposed to have like a, one of those like Kleenex boxes, but it has masks in it, like strapped yes. to your thigh. Because yeah. immediately they're like, put it <laughs> yeah. on like as though you are holding it in your hand. And like you could have put it on, but you didn't. But I, I remember walking into a, a, a certain medical facility in, in Greenfield and then they, they say, say the same thing. Hey, where, where's your mask? And I'm like, well, not on me. Or I probably would have put it on when I walked in. Now, wouldn't I have? <laughs> I'm sure when they I, appreciated that terse response. Well, when I do the two pats and a spank when you leave, you know, keys, wallet, phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, keys, wallet in the front pocket. Yep, sure. Phone in the back. I do not also Special, check for a mask. Tesco's wallet's watch. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, yeah. I remember. I used to have to do the mask check. I, I, oh, I forgot it all the time. Even walking in this building from room to room, from studio to studio, you, as cavernous and as gigantic and beautiful as this place was, as is, 
Nice, you nice. Still, and there was nobody here at the time except me and Hammer and our producer Kyle, some people from the newsroom. I mean, there was nobody. We had the place to ourselves. I, great parking down in the parking garage. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you got up from the studio and went to the bathroom, you damn well better have that mask on. So and people got in, like there were people around here that were turning people into HR for not wearing their masks from the studio to the to the bathroom. See that now 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 here here's here's my hot take on that. You just weren't good enough at not getting caught. I, I was at Indianapolis Public Schools by the time that the masks were in full swing, and I had an office in Broad Ripple at the Broad Ripple High School. That's where those IPS offices were. Grand total of like eighteen of us in this entire massive high school. Rooms and offices very spread out, and I would just walk throughout the building during the day when I was taking calls with teachers yeah. or whatever, and I had no mask on, and I just the entire time just completely ignored. And I'll never forget when I I was a good I'd say maybe 60 yards down one of the longest hallways at Broad Ripple and there was this little little tiny lady I'm not going to say her name uh, but like saw me at the end of this hallway just infinitely far away from uh, her I'm sure she hated you already oh yeah and shouted like can you put your mask on <laughs> shut up and so I did what every good American man would do and I was like I can't hear you <laughs> And then I, I I just walked in another direction because I don't have time for that kind of nonsense. We uh, one of the things we were doing uh, during the lock whatever the lockdown whatever uh, is we took our kids to Starkey Park there in Zionsville just like good hiking good outdoor stuff around there. This is kind of oh not this the was, not the outdoor maskers. Oh, oh listen oh, oh no. boy we so this is an outdoor park hiking and we see this. Family of four. Uh, they very they they I and they all had like either masks around their neck. They weren't wearing them, but we were walking towards each other, and it was just a close path. Oh, uh, in unison, they all put their masks on. Oh, uh, walked by. <laughs> stunning and well, brave. I didn't have my mask. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I, I was still ignorant. I, no, I wasn't ignorant. I was smart because masks don't work. But they all, especially outdoor we, people, don't know how gas diffusion works. <laughs> it just it, it literally does not work at all like that. But I'm glad that they shamed you. Did they give you the half suburban head tilt? Like, I mean, oh. they were very liberal, progressive Zionsville family. I, I oh. could tell. I mean, in unison, they stunning they put and their, brave. <laughs> they put their masks on, and meanwhile, my son, who has a little bit of allergies, is sneezing and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll never forget that at all. So New Zealand finally getting rid of the, I mean, I almost said the SH word because this makes me so mad. The United States finally just got rid of its uh, vaccine policy in terms of entering the country. If you're a foreigner and didn't have a vaccine, just like jo- uh, uh, Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, champion mm-hmm. tennis player, right. who was not able to play in tournaments in this country earlier this year. Because he wasn't vaccinated, still wasn't able to come. They just got rid of that a couple of months ago. Yeah, and there was a rumor because the the United Kingdom was basically getting ready to tell the United States that it was going to break off some diplomatic ties with the United States, just some some like small minor travel agreements that we have, if they didn't release that. And people, that was kind of a weird rumor until a month and a half later, the National Health Service over in the UK announced that they would be doing a brand new heart attack study related to people in their 20s. 
20s who had taken mRNA wow. affecting. Wow. Well, it's not really a vaccine because a vaccine is a dead virus or bacteria. It's the COVID, more like the a COVID injections are some sort of temporary therapeutic. I, it's like a temporary. It's like a reprogramming recipe for for some of the messenger RNA inside your cells. Basically saying it's like giving them automatic instructions kind of a thing, and that's very dangerous to do because we don't know how that works. What was the most ridiculous of the COVID uh, restrictions, um, do you think? Like off the top of your head, I I think the arbitrary six feet... Which is the, the, the CDC? CDC the that CDC. I, yeah. It was just they just came up with that out of thin air. The six there was feet. No science. The plexiglass that actually hindered filtration. Oh, we we signed. And, oh gosh, we had to sign for our house when all of those restrictions were still up. And so there's like a ton of pictures of my my wife and I signing for our first house and going through all that paperwork. And it's not even a cute moment because, like, we have masks on and big, huge plexiglass walls and everything. <laughs> I feel like I'm being accepted into a sci-fi prison. Uh, no, I think the worst restriction, or the, the goofiest restriction. Yeah, goofy. The worst restriction was a kid the one not way, going to school. One way, the goofiest? One-way grocery store aisles. Yeah, right. One-way grocery store aisles. And there could be no one in the aisle, no one in that part of the mire in McCordsville. <laughs> and I would walk the wrong way down an aisle, and someone would walk by, and they would get mad that I had walked to pick up deodorant and I've gone, you've gone against the arrow of masking tape, Tony, you uncivilized fool. I knew it. The idiocy of walking into a restaurant with a mask and then being able to take off your mask when you sat down because COVID doesn't affect you if you're sitting down at a table. Or if you're at a Black Lives Matter protest burning down cities. Well, well, there's that. Yeah, I mean, those oh, are those are highly yeah. encouraged. However, I, I do say that my favorite leftover from COVID is that I get to very occasionally see the Toyota Prius with the Bernie sticker on the back. And there's always some guy <laughs> who is at least in his 60s or some very thin old lady also over in her 60s. You know, she's donated to like 26 Indiana music education groups because I, I know a lot of these people. And they have like a mask on alone driving in their car. Still some I've alone. Still and like sometimes. no one's in the car. It's just them. And they have the mask and it's like hugging their face. It's like, how much are you spending on K95s a month? <laughs> it's a Hammer and Nigel show. Slipknot. You know these guys? Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why we came in with Slipknot. That was psychosocial. He, I got. We like uh, mashups. We got. We like cover songs on this show. I like love mashups. Stuff. Mashups are half of the reason I listen to music. Corey Taylor of Slipknot, the lead singer of that band that we just came in with, with the famous voice of SpongeBob, Tom Kenny. Oh yeah, yeah. They performed the the famous theme song. At uh, this this Comic Con convention in West Virginia, so here's here's how Corey Taylor, who's a badass lead singer, Slipknot, huge metal band, uh, and they trade they actually trade lead vocals doing the SpongeBob theme song. Here you go. Can I tell you, this is the most nervous I've ever been in my whole career. Are you ready, kids? <laughs> I can't hear. Everybody in the crowd knew that. 
That was Corey Taylor, the lead singer of Slipknot, along with the voice of SpongeBob doing the theme song live. I, SpongeBob still holds up, man. My kids still watch it. They've been watching it for years now. We just, uh, well, it was an excuse for me to watch it again. Uh, my my family has gone through the first three and a half seasons, which are the good yeah. ones. Up to about halfway through the third season, it's phenomenal. And then the writing, the writers changed. A lot of people don't like to, like a lot of parents wouldn't let their kids watch SpongeBob, SpongeBob just because they use the word stupid and idiot and is mayonnaise an yeah. instrument? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, we watched on our way to uh, Michigan recently. The kids watched on DVD in the backseat of the van. Is there a favorite? Oh, SpongeBob, the, the SpongeBob and Water or something like that. Oh, yeah. The movie. Is there a favorite yeah. episode that you have? Uh, I, don't, I don't have a favorite. I, I wouldn't know, but it was Allison, one of the- were you a were you a SpongeBob kid? Uh, definitely the delivery pizza episode. <laughs> Krusty Krab pizza. I can do that. That ending where it's like Krusty Krab. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that one for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's one of the few cartoons I can tolerate actually watching with my kids. I don't yeah. mind. Every, All right, we'll be right back. It. We gotta go. We're up against it here. Tony Kennett here in for Hammer. My name is Nigel. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock. Nigel, Tony Kinnett, investigative columnist from the Daily Signal, filling in for Jason Hammer. You have a very special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. That's right. When it comes to award-winning senior reporters from the Daily Signal, there's one person that I turn to when it comes to boots on the ground, and that's what we've got calling in today. Mary Margaret Olihan is our senior reporter, and she is getting the scoop on all of this campaign craziness, all of this attention going on over in number one primary state, Iowa. MMO, how's it going? It's good. Thanks for having me on. So give us a little bit of a a scoop, because obviously in the rest of the Midwest and the rest of the country, we don't get as much attention from the 2024 presidential candidates. And at the Iowa State Fair, which is where you guys are right now, there's a lot going on. What is the general feeling that you're seeing from attendees that you've spoken to so far? Yeah, so we're here at the Iowa State Fair, and it's super interesting to be here because, as I'm sure you know, Daily Signal is located in D.C., so we love getting out of the nation's capital and talking to real Americans about the issues that matter to them, to their families, that are going to actually impact them the next election. So we went out yesterday, and we were asking everybody, what issues do you care the most about when it comes to the presidential election? We kept it really nonpartisan. You know, we're not, we're not just asking about Republicans, and we got some very interesting answers across the board. Uh, a lot of people talked about immigration and the border and how they're really concerned about um, the border crisis. A lot of people told us they're really worried about the economy. Uh, we, we actually spoke to a whole bunch of people that were concerned about protecting the unborn, uh, the life issue, protecting children and education. And I would have to say most of the people that we spoke with and have been speaking with told us that they would support Donald Trump. Hmm as the next president. Interestingly, a whole bunch of them specifically said to me, I wouldn't like him as a person. I wouldn't want to be his friend, which I thought was a little, maybe that's kind of mean. <laughs> but um, well, That's been the general consensus, I feel like, for the past six years. I don't I, generally like him as a person, but he had great policies during his four years. Yeah, that is what I've been hearing. And, you know, I got a good sprinkling of DeSantis in there. 
Um, there's a large group of people here who are pro-DeSantis. I even got Tim Biden, a very, very nice woman who told me she really wanted to unify the country. I asked her which, pres- which candidate she thought would do the best job at that, and she smiled at me and said, Joe Biden. I was a little surprised uh, to hear that. but um, <laughs> Considering uh, yeah. he describes, uh, described Trump supporters as extremist MAGA Republicans, that doesn't sound like a unifying language to me, but don't, whatever. Don't forget yelling that from the, the bully pulpit with the Marines behind him in oh, the dark yeah. red the, lighting. The speech the speech <laughs> from hell. What about Vivek Ramaswamy? We've all heard the audio by now of him rapping to uh, Eminem lyrics, and and he actually had an incredible uh, response to a, a, a pansexual that asked him about, uh, you know, if he supports the gay community. Any uh, action with Vivek? Uh, we actually haven't seen Vivek here because I believe he's left already. But we have been hearing from people on the ground that they're interested in him, not as a front runner, but uh, they are interested in him as a candidate in general. I guess he's standing out to some people. But I didn't speak with anyone so far here that has said that they would vote for him as president. Mm. Um, you know, this morning there was a very interesting uh, happenings on Twitter. I don't know if either of you noticed there was a tweet that Vivek had tweeted in 2022 about uh, parental rights and education, talking about the so-called don't say gay bill, which obviously we do not call the don't say gay bill since right. it never even says the word gay in it. Didn't he say but something it, about that Republicans needed to uh, like start rhyming their bills, titles better, something like that? Yeah, I think the thought behind it was he was trying to say Republicans need to be better at naming their bills so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. But he did say in the tweet that he supported... Uh, he supported those kinds of restrictions on uh, gender ideology and sexuality in education for kids until they were about eight years old. Well, DeSantis's laws in Florida actually extended to 12th grade because in Florida they think that you shouldn't be teaching kids about this at all. Um, so there was some interesting back and forth uh, with Vivek's campaign manager on w- just exactly where he stands on that issue. Um, I'm not sure they're super interested in getting into the semantics of it, but that was the latest on him this morning. We're on with uh, Mary Margaret Olihan. She is the award-winning senior reporter for the Daily Signal and a very uh, good colleague of mine. On the boots on the ground at the Iowa State Fair, where all of the presidential attention is turned towards, there was actually one video that you posted, MMO, that, that really hit home with me. Uh, I have a lot of farmers that are that are both in my family, that a lot of my family works with, and obviously they're paying sky-high diesel prices. They're paying a lot of uh, really heavy costs right now, and I understand that you've talked with several people out there really deep into the Iowa agriculture industry that are pulling for specific presidential candidates because of their record on agriculture. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we had some really interesting conversations with a bunch of different farmers um, including one young guy who I don't know if you can call him a farmer because he's, he said he was 16 years old, but he certainly has been working in farming uh, for a long time and knew what he was talking about. Um, we will have a good segment on this going up later this week. But for now, I can say um, they're very worried about how this the current administration has been impacting their work their livelihoods. Um, This one young guy told us that the price of diesel has skyrocketed and that they've had to uh, lay off employees that they've had. And uh, yeah, no, he was saying they've really been struggling. And uh, he's a Trump supporter, as is pretty much everyone I talked to that worked in farming. Um, They believe that Trump would best represent their interests and would best, um, you know, 
bring them back to a position that they feel good about. And um, that really is the unanimous sentiment I've been hearing around here. Mary Margaret Olihan, senior reporter for The Daily Signal, live from Iowa, the state fair, where many of the candidates have been spending time. Uh, you had uh, Donald Trump uh, kind of like doing like a Top Gun flyby over DeSantis uh, when he had his little rally. Did you see that, Tony? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good way to put that, actually. <laughs> I, I like that. It's creative. Um, uh, but I know you talked to a lot of Trump supporters, Mary. How concerned are they about the indictments? We just had the fourth indictment. Indictment in Georgia come out last night. Well, we'll be actually heading out in a few minutes to talk to them about exactly that. So you might have to stay tuned because um, that is our next project. But um, I will say one thing that they did bring up a lot was the controversy between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. A bunch of people mm. told me that they were really icked out by the infighting and the back and forth. Um, I had one person tell me I'm not voting for either of them. I don't like it. Um, so <laughs> I heard a, I heard a good bit about people not liking this controversy, which we know is kind of the name of the game as we head into um, the election season. But it is wearing at people. Any Chris Christie fans out there? <laughs> not that I've spoken to. <laughs> Have you looked uh, closer near the corn dog booths? Um, I, I, I'm I'm told. Hey, hey, I just enjoyed a corn dog for lunch and. It was pretty darn good. Was it a regular Fantastic. corn dog or was it like a specialty? Because some people at state fairs, they really go for the pancake batter corn dogs. Uh, well, we actually, yesterday, we have a video coming out of Daily Signal where you can see some of the bizarre things that we've tried here. I was unfortunate enough to try a rattlesnake corn dog. Um, so oh. I took a Did you ever had rattlesnake? rattlesnake? No, I mean, does it contain nope. bits of real snake, Mary? Oh, it does. Goodness gracious, no, I've never had this. So there's one question that that I want to ask, and I know that you're in D.C., so that normally I'm only in D.C. four times a year, and I swing in, and you're saturated in all of the political focus on D.C. all the time, and you're out in the Midwest or you know, getting over into the Great Plains states, and all of the focus is right on Iowa right now for its, you know, for the state fair, the primary coming up. Obviously, everyone cares about New Hampshire and Iowa for some reason, and this is kind of the thing that I wanted to ask. Have you had any conversations with people who have talked about the kind of attention that they have been receiving and maybe how it's maybe discordant with what you've seen in D.C.? Because we hear about what people talk about in New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Chicago all the time. Uh, but very rarely do we actually get to hear from people talking to those when the spotlights turned on them out in Iowa. Can, can you tell us anything about like how the average American is taking this kind of attention? Well, um, that's an interesting question. I mean, most of the people we've talked to don't seem like they're used to being put on the spot like that. And some of them are really hesitant to talk about politics. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, some of the questions we've been asking are more helpful to gain insight because um, truth is not every American is up for talking about politics, especially in public, especially on camera. Um, so I think asking people about the issues that they care most about is a really good way to go about it because um, obviously, that's a very important question to understand where what motivations are and doesn't really bring uh, Democrat or Republican into the picture in a way that someone might be uncomfortable with. Um, that being said, 
uh, these people are really smart and they're articulate and they know it. Uh, they know what matters to them, and that's been really cool to see. There's something really awesome about that classic Midwestern honest value that comes forward of knowing what you believe. But I've talked to both of you off the air about this before. I think that that kind of hesitancy to talk about politics in the yeah. open is one of the reasons that polling data is so wonky. People don't want to be asked a lot of questions about their politics, especially right now when the environment is so toxic. And so MMO, that's one of the, the, the latter questions that I want to throw to you. Have you guys had any engagements with, with the toxic nature of the primary out there so far? Has anybody gotten a little uh, a little wacky? Um, uh, I would say not really. We've also been tabling. So we've got a daily signal table here at the Iowa State Fair. And it's been interesting to have some people come by. And um, very few, but a couple have said that they don't like us. Um, oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're doing something right, Mary. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but largely, no, I've, it's only been a good experience here right now. Um, and like I said, I have been hearing that people were displeased with the, I don't know if you would call it toxic, but the back and forth between Trump and DeSantis lately. So, Well, can you keep us updated? I'm really curious to know what uh, people on the ground there in Iowa think about this fourth Trump indictment out of Georgia yeah, will. and and how they feel about that and the weaponization of the Department of Justice in the Biden administration. Absolutely, we will. Uh, you can follow her over at Mary Marg Olihan on Twitter. Uh, if you're following me on Twitter at The Tonus, I'm often retweeting a lot of her stuff. Really excellent reporting. MMO, thank you very much for hopping on with us and y'all stay safe out there at the State Fair. Thanks so much, guys. Good to talk with you. Tony Kennedy in for Jason Hammer. It is the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, I'm going to talk to Tony Katz a little bit after 5.30. want to find out what he thinks is the biggest story. Is it Hunter Biden, the Biden crime family, and that Weiss guy being named special counsel uh, after he gave him the sweetheart plea deal that fell through? He's in a mood. Katz, Katz is in a mood. <laughs> I know. He's fired I, in up. In those texts, he is, he is like on like level 11 out of 10 so, right now. So the bigger story that or Trump indictment number four out of the state of Georgia. So, uh, Tuesdays with Tony Katz coming up a little bit after 5.30. There's a website called Cut.com. They asked 100 people what their unpopular opinion is, and then kind of made a super cut of all the hot takes. So, here, let me play some of these for you and see if these make any sense to you or not. I really like cereal with ice in it. Plastic surgery is kind of sad. We should protect gun rights. Missing a flight is not a big deal. I don't believe in secret keeping. I really don't think that Beyonce is that great. I don't think Tupac is dead. I think Tupac is alive. I don't understand why garbage cans are round. They should be square so they can fit in a corner. Dating apps are awful when they have made dating worse. I hate Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, that last one. I, I that's that's more intense than I would have, have said it, but Taylor Swift has made my life miserable with my 9-year-old little girl. I'm so sorry. I I'm not legally allowed to criticize Taylor Swift because Allison and and Hammer will throw me off of the nearest <laughs> building, so I, I have to mind my P's and Q's. How about some of those others? Like like uh, protecting gun rights is a controversial, unpopular opinion. Well, I mean, did you hear these people? These people sounded like you just pulled them out of a Los Angeles college room. I mean, that's, that's 
that's what 99% of the accents that were coming through were. I liked the the ice in cereal what? thing. You did? Yeah. That was weird. Well, the reason I like it is because, see, that's what an unpopular opinion is. That's something that also should get you flagged by the FBI and put on the no-fly list. If you enjoy ice in your cereal, <laughs> there are mental <laughs> institutions waiting to check you in. Um, there are some others from this list. Here's one from this list from Cut.com. Asked 100 people what their unpopular opinion is. Christianity is unnatural for non-Europeans. Uh, you're, you're, you're a very religious man, Tony. Uh, for, it, well, I mean, even as a, as a biologist and, and kind of a guy who dabbles in history, that's not how that works. Um, I, I'm sorry. What does uh, that re- even mean? So the idea is that like Christianity came out of Europe for white people, even though one of the first dudes witnessed to was a very, very, very dark Ethiopian official. Uh, so no. Uh, number two, uh, Christianity what? is more popular in rote in Africa than it is in Europe or the United States, uh, and also in South America. Wow. So. Listen to you dropping the facts. No, uh, Christianity is simply a, a, a way for purple-haired girls to complain about their father. <laughs> wow! Do you want to hear my unpopular opinion? I, oh, I do, no, actually. No, I'm, no, I'm ready no, for no. some of these. I'm, I'm a little nervous about this because I, I came today with some doozy unpopular <sighs> opinions. Let me hear yours. This guy out of Virginia, the singer, the songwriter, came out of nowhere. Which one? Oliver uh, Lane. Oh, no, Oliver no, Anthony. Oliver. <laughs> the guy who's uh, the guy who has that like guitar banjo hybrid With thing. With the big bushy red beard. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's saying, uh, what is it? A, a gentleman out of North. Rich, rich man rich from, from Richmond. From Richmond, Richmond um, from North of Richmond. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I, okay, fine. I can understand why it resonates with a lot of people. I do, but like you know. I listened to that song. I was like, oh, rich man keeping me down. Ain't nothing going to change. Nothing you can do about it. That's like CRT for white guys, essentially. I I get why people like it, and I understand. And it's it's, it's definitely res. I mean, it's the number one song on iTunes. But I just don't even, like, even this song is like... Working man song. I mean, it is. I, so I, I, but then I, I understand why liberals are like panning it. Yeah, but I, I was just like, I just don't even think it's that good of a song. I'm gonna Sorry, be honest with unpopular you. Unpopular opinion. For the first, I heard it for the first time this morning. This morning, I yeah. was I was drinking my coffee and I was like, you know, I haven't listened to this yet, but I've heard a lot of my friends and colleagues talking about it, and it's a very popular song. Um, it misinterprets, you know, class warfare. Oh, it's the rich versus the poor. No, it's it's community values versus community values. That's that's again, that's. Middle-class right. people in Berkeley and middle-class people in Muncie do not follow the same life patterns and values. Uh, but anywho, and I, I like the song itself, uh, but I know I feel that unpopular opinion. Yeah, you'd get roasted for it. Oh, I think yeah. that we have oh, to yeah. rally there, there around. There was a guy from Natural, uh, National Review that wrote a scathing... Uh, uh, article about that song. Right? Oh yeah, well that was just stupid. I, I've written for the National Review several times. Yeah. I, I like some National Review articles, um, and he basically complained. Well, he should have said it was more about. Uh, it sh- he should have written the song about you know America being a place of freedom of opportunity. Okay, for for anyone who doesn't know what blues is or singing about sad things, normally you don't <laughs> yeah, sit I down know. there and I know. like I just so for that like that kind of deep <laughs> when you get really deep into a guy that's just like airing out his grievances. I think that's a bit. 
it much, but no, I don't. Yeah. All right, we got time for one of your most unpopular opinions. I was not going to say this on the air because it will definitely get me beaten on the streets in Indianapolis, but I'm going to say it. I think that the Indy 500 is the most overrated event in all of history. Oh, boy. Other than the Emmys and the Oscars and things. And there, there's one wow. reason why. I have yet to find people that can articulate what it is about <laughs> the people that don't follow racing. People that follow racing and love going to awesome. I, I, cool. I was wrong. I, you, you're going to be the... You're gonna yeah, I'm going to get slaughtered. Get... I, I don't dislike it. I just think that it's overrated because a lot of people who don't follow racing can't really articulate to me why they like it. I can feel my phone buzzing right what's now. The, uh, what's, so your, what's your Twitter account? At the Tonus. So you can cancel <laughs> me, uh, make sure that I get fired, um, You know, throw bricks at my favorite local grocery store, however they do canceling these days. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony! Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett is in for Jason Hammer, hooking up live with Tony Katz. It's Tuesdays with Tony. Bigger story in America right now. The Biden crime family, Weiss being appointed special counsel when he's already been working on Hunter's case for years and a, agreed to a sweetheart plea deal that fell through. Or the big news that came down last night, Trump's fourth indictment out of Georgia. What do you think? The the bigger story is the Biden crime family. Uh, this this goes. I say this all the time. It goes without saying. I'm not even going to uh, pretend uh, that uh, there's even anything close here. The Trump indictment is salacious, and of course you got to talk about it. Sure. The kitchen sink being thrown at Trump and, and the team. I mean, I really dug deep with um, with William Jacobson from Cornell Law, Cornell Law professor. This is this is madness in terms of uh, how desperate this looks and really this conversation of a, a backstop. This is the state of Georgia saying, hey, look, federal government, if you can't uh, get Trump on any of the things you've done, uh, you've put out there, don't worry. We got you covered. We got you, Boo Bear. We'll take 19 people. We'll, we'll charge them under a RICO predicate. We'll get one of these no good so-and-sos, and that'll bring down the whole house of cards. You're welcome. I mean, that is salacious stuff. Yeah. But the bigger story is whether or not the current president of the United States, through his son, took bribes. I mean, and not only that, but I mean, obviously, when you're looking at some kind of a bribery or corruption scandal, you have to, you know, usually there's some kind of weird paper trail to follow, and you have to connect all of these dots. I was amazed when I saw the House uh, Oversight Committee report that says that a Kazakhstani, uh, not official, but oligarch, uh, basically donated the exact amount for a, a fancy, antique sports car. $143,200. But who's counting? And then the very next calendar day, like we've just swept over the date line and Biden purchases the car. I don't know, for that exact amount, I don't know how overt you can get more so than that. Uh, you you can't. But how how glorious it is. How glorious it is that that 
you can be that brazen in America and nothing's going to happen to you. And that is what people see and they go to tier justice and they get sickened. They get sickened by it. And the question is, how will they act? Like, what's, what's the plan on voting? Because if you listen to uh, uh, it was so great. It was Dick Morris. You remember Dick Morris and he's on Newsmax now mm-hmm. and he says two things. Trump's going to jail and Trump will be the next president and he'll do it from jail. Uh, I think the first part's right. What? Yep. I think the first part's right. I thought this was the January 6th indictment. I definitely think it from this because they're going to catch somebody in a something and they're going to put Donald Trump in jail. I'm not saying they should. They're going to put him in jail. Oh, yeah. Georgia I don't ran know if for... the Republican Party has the even the people who have been supportive of Trump can say to themselves, we prepared to give to lose to Joe Biden again over this. I don't know if they've got it in them. And let's be clear, the over this is not to discount what's happening. This is a disgusting abuse of power. Right. This is Banana Republic as it's being discussed. This is not American at all. But when winning is the objective, one must ask themselves how they win. I don't know if it's going to continue to be in that polling, Trump is the only way to win. What's the difference then between this indictment and the and then the others and 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 you? I I was actually kind of stunned to just hear you say. It's stunning to hear somebody anybody say that the president is going to jail, a former president who could later be elected president. So so let's make sure we understand some some things about this indictment. First, this is happening on a state level and and not a federal level. And there's a question about why why are you engaged in this when these same charges in in a couple different spots are happening on on a, on a federal level right uh, but what the state charge allows, especially under this RICO uh, statute, uh, this is a racketeering statute. They have very different rules in Georgia than in other places, uh, different burdens uh, of proof, different ways of engaging the charges. So when you look at all of the charges and all of the allegations in the in the 96-page indictment, and you realize that, that Fonnie Williams, uh, who is the district attorney, is going to try all 19 at at the same time. Like Harvey Dent in, in Batman. Really, like when they, they rounded up all of the Gotham criminals in one room. That's mafias I mean, type re- stuff. No, that's what Rico was made for. Yeah. I mean, they're, Bro, they're, the fact that Rudy Giuliani is being charged <laughs> under a Rico predicate yeah. is the greatest irony of all time, it man. It really is. It it's really nuts. is. But once you realize that, you realize they don't need to get Trump. They need to get one. They need to get one in order to take down the whole quote-unquote cabal. Right. And that's the objective here. This isn't about justice. This is about playing gotcha. And as we have seen, it is so obvious that these charges could have been brought two months ago or two years ago, that the timing of the bringing of these charges soon after we learn more about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, of course, it's always the way it goes. Right. Uh, it's not just coincidence, people. It's happened it, that way every time. Every time, Nigel. Every freaking time. The, this is happening for political purposes and in terms of coming now as opposed to two years ago. If anybody, if anybody thinks that the political left isn't an obscene or organization, what they have shown. If you think Trump was wrong for January 6th, that's fine. If you think Trump was wrong for having classified documents, that's fine. If you think Trump was wrong for whatever he did to Stormy Daniels, that's fine. What the political left has done in this prosecution is worse. The impeachment
impeachment prosecution was worse. The January 6th prosecution was worse. The January 6th show trials was worse. This was worse. If we're going to rank these things, this is worse. And there is not a person in Indiana, nay America, who can argue that point and win against me. Tuesdays with Tony Katz. So what happens if Donald Trump goes to jail? Are they expecting like another? Are they hoping for uh, the, the left another January 6th like episode? I mean, what really? What's worst case scenario in your mind if, if this happens? I don't. I, I, I am only interested in winning. I want to be clear uh, about that, that I don't have allegiances to people. I, I have beliefs, theories, philosophies, ideas of how a country should be run right. and what allows me to live my life the way I see fit. I am not about people. I have no cult of personality in me whatsoever. I only want victory. If Trump going to jail means I can't have victory, I'm voting for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I want the victory. Now, that victorious person needs to clean a lot of house as I I've said, I want a 1,000 DOJ agents fired. I don't care if they're happy. I don't care if the FBI agents are happy or DOJ staffers are happy. Let them sue. The President of the United States has control of the DOJ. I fire everybody. State Department, a 1,000 people. I clean up the house. That's called draining the swamp. And I do it in the first day. Right. That's and how it has to happen. So this is really what kind of gets my goat, because I'm, I'm watching a lot of individuals who could be rallying around what could be an opportunity to pick up a major time of, of an offense against the president's current corrupt administration, obviously so. And yet we're sitting here talking about how, well, Republicans need to stop sending angry letters, and it's time to prosecute a thousand people right now on this day of 2023. And and it, it really frustrates me because I know that even though that stuff sounds good, and even though it may be fun to scream that from the top of your lungs and to call for blood in the, the theoretical sense of prosecutions, like... It's not actually helping anything. It does not move us closer to victory. Uh, I tweeted out this afternoon that in 2042, we're going to have a thousand district attorneys with 14,000 indictments of anyone sitting in office because that'll be the norm. Uh, do you, am, am I off base here? This doesn't move us anywhere closer to victory. So, uh, the, the, the closer to victory is how we move the rest of the country to vote in the recognition of how gross uh, this Democratic Party is and how horrific Bidenomics is and how old and senile and unworthy Joe Biden is and Kamala Harris. That moves you uh, to, to, to victory. To say it's Trump or no one, I don't think works. Right. But we've seen three indictments not affect... Uh, Donald Trump in the polls. If you take right. a look at, yeah. at, at Iowa, you don't see uh, that level of movement. As William Jacobson pointed out, in the first indictment, the Alvin Bragg indictment comes out. And even though DeSantis was closing, man, the gap got even bigger. If I take a look at the latest polling, August 2nd to August 4th, this is from TIPP, um, Trump 57, DeSantis 12. Wow. 12. Wow. That is certifiable. I, I saw there's a new there's a New Hampshire poll that also came out as well where you have DeSantis at eight percent. Uh, Chris and, Christie's leading DeSantis. Yeah, Chris Christie, Chris Christie in that one, and it's it's wild because Chris Christie is is not a good candidate. I, I'm I'm sorry, like the policy proposals that he's put forward are garbage. Same with Nikki Haley, both garbage proposals, and yet they are gaining ground because the Republican primary right now is a mess. It is a dumpster fire that is, with seasoning. Now that's the Emerson poll that you're talking about, and the number you left out 
out is that Trump went from 41 to 49. <laughs> oh, that's go, mean, that goes without saying. Yeah. The dude's I mean, cleaning no, house in the go without saying. It's unbelievable. There's <laughs> an indictment. Whoop, he goes up. And so there's a question of whether or not Democrats are trying to tilt the scales because they desperately want Trump to win uh, the nomination. They want to keep everybody out. And this is the way people feel for Trump. They're going to support him to the very end, which is why I discuss how we want to do this, how uh, the conservatives and the political right wants to do this, because it's about victory, not about emotions. It's about victory. They may decide they're going with Trump, ride or die. Well, they may find out what die is. Let's uh, pivot. We've been talking about the Trump indictment, but uh, let's go local here. The Indy Star did a Q&A with Joe Hogsett, Mayor Hogsett, sort of a milk toast question as to, uh, well, there's a lot of controversy as to where you were during the night of the riots. Why, why are people asking that question? Like, they didn't really even go out and ask Hogsett where he was during the riots. Journalism. And his, and so it was kind of an awful question to begin with, and his answer was even worse. What do you think? Uh, his his answer was, I don't know why you're asking me this. Uh, here's, look, here's a panel of people who said uh, that I'm awesome. And the people who asked this kind of question, uh, they're really political. You don't city, say. The city caught fire. Banks were on fire. Two people died. It's the right question to ask where he was. And the Indy Star failed, certainly, as, as uh, reporters, because they fail all the time. When they want to do a story, like they do the story about uh, Larry Nasser, right. man, they can really do some reporting. When uh, they feel that it might hurt them ideolo- ideologically, well, then they stay away from it. And nobody else has asked the questions. It is the Indianapolis journalism pool uh, is, is very shallow. And when I say shallow, I mean dry as a bone has been converted into a flower pot. It is, it is just nonsense how little they don't care about information, about data, and about where, where uh, Joe Hogsett was while this city was set on fire. And now he's going to be able to say, hey, if somebody asks him that question in the future, some sort of debate, he's going to be saying, hey, I already addressed this. Go check my answer with the Indy Star, my non-answer. There was a panel put together. It's a political question. He didn't answer the question, Tony, which further fuels speculation and rumor. Yeah, it's... um, It's a big middle finger to the people of Indianapolis who went through two nights of horror. Yeah, but the thing is, they've already given Indianapolis the middle finger. Don't you know that picture of Hogshead eating pizza and Thomas Carl Cook, the punk who hangs around him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. (laughs) So, I mean, the the finality of this is looking like to where Hoosier Media goes in the future to cover this kind of stuff, because the Indianapolis Star is hemorrhaging subscribers. They are. They're they're so desperate for people to subscribe to the rag that they are advertising like $1 for three-year subscriptions, and people still aren't signing up. So, eventually, Gannett is going to close that shop. They close the Columbus Dispatch. They're getting ready to close the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Indy Star is coming. What fills that gap? That's the question, man. You you run the journalism world, the work you do at Daily Signal. You understand the importance of this. Uh, back in the day, the Franklin Center was about trying to get local journalists into the places that they need to be and trying to find them support. These things do matter. Without local journalists, you aren't exposing uh, the the underbelly of your local government to sunlight, and which sunlight is the best disinfectant. You get to understand what's going on, and when they have nobody watching, they get away with 
with anything. <laughs> anything. Uh, so this is bad stuff. But then again, you won't notice that the indie star is gone because they haven't done the work anyway. <laughs> Tuesdays with Tony Katz, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. Then again, noon to 3 Monday through Friday. TK, thank you. You got it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.